Hey everyone, technically you're getting two days in history today because we're running two episodes from the History Vault. You'll also hear two hosts, me and Tracy V. Wilson. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to this day in history class. It's July 29th. Confederate spy Belle Boyd was captured on this day in 1862. Let's start with a tiny bit about her life. She was born in Martinsburg, Virginia, which is now in West Virginia, on May 9th of 1844. She was the oldest of eight children, kind of a tomboy, was also, at the same time, raised to be a proper Southern lady. She attended Mount Washington Female College, and she had a formal society debut in Washington, D.C. in 1860. But the Civil War started not long after her debut. She was 17 at the time. She came back home to Martinsburg to raise money for the war and to serve as a nurse. Her father had also volunteered for the Confederate Army. They were kind of an outlier in Martinsburg, though. There were a lot of Union supporters in Martinsburg and in all of the territory that would become West Virginia. West Virginia would become a state on June 20th of 1863 after seceding from Virginia. And West Virginia didn't join the South in the fight for slavery. On July 3rd, federal troops occupied Martinsburg. And then according to Boyd's own account, they heard that she had a bunch of Confederate flags hanging in her room. They came to her house to take the flags down and then to replace them with a Union flag. But her family got rid of all those flags before they got there. They raised their federal flag anyway. And then during the argument that followed, a soldier from the North, quote, addressed my mother and myself in language as offensive as it is possible to conceive. That was from Boyd's own writing. So according to Boyd's account, she shot him and he died. But a Union officer ruled this to be a justifiable homicide. So Boyd was allowed to remain free, but a detail of Union soldiers were put around her home, either to protect her or to keep an eye on her. It's not clear which. And she started talking to them, listening to them, eavesdropping on their conversations, and then passing that information on to the Confederacy. By the fall of 1861, she was working as a courier for Confederate intelligence, but she wasn't using any kind of code or disguising her handwriting in any way. So when someone found a letter in her handwriting signed with the name Belle, they naturally questioned her. Apparently, though, they didn't think a 17-year-old girl could do that much damage, so they didn't take her into custody. She kept on flirting and eavesdropping in her efforts to get more information and pass it on to the Confederacy. In 1862, she learned that General James Shields was planning to take most of his troops out of Front Royal to aid in an assault on Richmond. So she passed that information along. This time, though, in code, along with some other tidbits she had heard about what was going on. Then she heard that the Union was going to burn the bridges around Front Royal. And she tried to get that message to General Thomas J. Jackson, that Stonewall Jackson, Nobody was willing to get in between the two armies to deliver that message, though, so she did it herself, under fire the whole time. Jackson speeded up his attack. He managed to save the bridges and capture some weapons and supplies, and then Belle Boyd continued on with her spy work. She earned nicknames like La Belle Rebelle and the Cleopatra of the Secession. All this went on until the Secretary of War, Edwin Stanton, issued a warrant for her arrest, and she was captured on July 29, 1862. She was taken to the Old Capitol Prison in Washington and then released after a month in a prisoner exchange. 
She was arrested again, though, in July of 1863, and then served for six months before she became ill with typhoid. After all of this, she really could no longer work as a spy for the Confederacy anymore. She was way too recognizable. She left for England, taking some messages to Confederate supporters there with her. She got married in England, but her husband died not long after, and she was pregnant at the time. She wrote a two-volume book called Bell Boyd in Camp and Prison to try to support herself and her child. Then she also tried to support herself through a stage career. She got married a second time and then later died of a heart attack on June 10th of 1900. You can learn more about Bell Boyd in the July 4th, 2011 episode, Stuff You Missed in History Class. And you can subscribe to This Day in History Class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Tomorrow, we'll go to South Africa for a short-lived republic. Hi, I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that uncovers history one day at a time. The day was July 29, 1836. The Arc du Triomphe, a commemorative triumphal arch in Paris, was inaugurated. In 1805, Napoleon's troops defeated a Russian and Austrian army in Austerlitz. It resulted in the Treaty of Pressburg, and it was a big victory for Napoleon. To celebrate the victory and honor the Grande Armée, Napoleon commissioned the construction of a triumphal arch in 1806. It was decided that the location for the monument would be the Place de l'Étoile, and Jean-Charles Grand and Jean-Arnaud Raymond would be the architects. In August of that year, construction began on the Arc du Triomphe. By 1810, construction was nowhere near completed, but Napoleon wanted to honor his new wife, Marie-Louise, with a grand entrance into Paris. So he had a full-size model of the arch built out of wood and painted cloth at the site. Chagrin then tweaked the design, but he died in 1811. Louis Robert Gust took his place. But three years later, Napoleon abdicated as emperor and the Bourbon Restoration began. Work on the arch came to a halt. A decade later, in 1824, Architect Jean-Nicolas Wiot was tasked with redesigning the arch. But after Wiot was removed from his post a couple of times, Guillaume Abel Blouet worked on the arch until its completion in 1836 under the reign of King Louis-Philippe. The Arc du Triomphe was inaugurated on July 29, 1836, 15 years after Napoleon died. It cost 9.3 million francs. It got its official consecration on December 15, 1840, when a hearse carrying Napoleon's corpse passed underneath the arch. Chagrin's neoclassical design of the arch took inspiration from the Roman Arch of Titus. It stands 164 feet or 50 meters high and 148 feet or 45 meters wide. Francois Rouda, Jean-Pierre Courteau, and Antoine Etex created the sculptures of military victories on the facades of the arch's pedestals. These were created in the last three years of the monument's construction. The names of hundreds of French generals are on the inside walls of the arch, a process that caused much debate among families of generals who were left out. 
The names of the major battles fought during the First French Republic in Napoleon's empire are also inscribed on the vault. There are roses on the ceiling of the Arc du Triomphe, and allegorical figures representing characters in Roman mythology are on the arcades. The Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, a grave for an unknown military service member who died in wartime, lies beneath the arch. There is also a museum inside the arch and an eternal flame that's rekindled every evening. Many victory marches have passed the arch, including the Germans in 1871 and 1940, and the French and the Allies in 1918, 1944, and 1945. The Arc du Triomphe was the tallest triumphal arch at the time of its completion, but its size has since been surpassed by the Monumento a la Revolución in Mexico City and the Arch of Triumph in Pyongyang. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you feel like correcting my pronunciation or my accent on anything that I've said in the show, feel free to leave a very kind comment on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at T-D-I-H-C Podcast. Thanks for joining me on this trip through time. See you here in the exact same spot tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.